Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to another episode of the Buffalo Happy Hour. Mike, what's going on? Derek, we're back at our friends Addie's Wine and Liquor, so I'm excited about that. But we have a fun guest and there's a lot of stuff that we have to dive into, so we should start with introductions, and then we got a full ballot of things to dive into. So, what's up, man? How you doing? Thanks for having me. Uh, my name's Jason, just so the people listening know who I am. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so, wh- let's start at the very beginning. So, All right, I was born. Yes. All right. I, you wanted you me to skip forward? You saw the Okay, light. I can skip <laughs> so, forward a little. A little bit. Okay, 18, yeah. I joined the military. Perfect. Okay. So were you born and raised in Buffalo? <laughs> yes. So I was okay. born and raised in Buffalo, um, single mom. You know, she worked at an animal hospital, and I ended up working at that animal hospital, going to high school across the street at Hutch Tech. So there's a ton of people from Buffalo that, you know, went to Hutch Tech. And then uh, quickly realized that my SAT scores were probably not going to be good enough to go anywhere. <laughs> so I joined the military. <laughs> I originally joined the Air Force. I took the ASVAB, and they could not promise me um, law enforcement. And then this army dude stuck his head out the door and said, you took your ASVAB? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I don't know what I scored. He goes, well, I can tell you. And he looked up my scores. He's like, well, what did you join the Air Force for? I go, well, I wanted to be a law enforcement, but they can't guarantee me. Because they used to have two tracks. They used to have the law enforcement side and security patrol. But they couldn't guarantee. That's just a crapshoot. Okay. He's like, no, I can guarantee you an MP. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I didn't want to be a Marine. I mean, I mean, I talk slower for those guys. No offense. I love Marines. Like, I was with 1st Marine <laughs> Division in Fallujah. It was, it's all good. I love you guys. Ben, if you're listening, I love you too. Um, but, uh, and I didn't, I didn't want to join the Navy, which right. my cousin's in the Naval Academy now. So, unfortunately, as a 
We'll talk about him later because I'm definitely not going to salute him. I'm going to punch him first. Good. Um, awesome. So, yeah, he's at the Naval Academy. I'm like, damn it. Um, but uh, then from there, uh, yeah, I just uh, I decided, well, okay, join the Army. So my mom probably saved a couple hundred dollars in food a week. Um, I was an only child. And, uh, yeah, I went to Fort McClellan, Alabama, and I went to basic training there. I arrived there on Halloween night, 1989, um, got off the bus, and uh, I remember at that time you had to do 13 push-ups to get into basic training, or they sent you to FTC, which officially is fitness training camp, but we used to call it fat training camp. That's where they make you skinny, and then you can move on. Um, so I did my 13 push-ups. I was really, really nervous because people were – they would start counting. I mean, I'm sure you've seen drill sergeants. One, 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 two, two, two. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're up to like 30, and they're on four, you know. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, that dude just did like 100 push-ups, and they counted 12. He's going to fat training camp, and he's smaller than me. Like, <laughs> this is not going to be good. So uh, women had to do one, one correct push-up. Did they do like the fist underneath the, no, the that's, body? No, that's that's police shit. No, that's not. Yeah, <laughs> that's such, funny thing. That's police th- because I went to one of those too. I was <laughs> we'll we'll get to that. And they had a piece of foam. I'm like, what is this crap? Like, so I can bounce <laughs> off the floor. Anyhow, yeah. all right, moving on. Like um, they do with the bench press. Where you yeah, like off the yeah, chest. exactly. Like, oh, I'm gonna smack my face on the floor right. and bounce back up. I don't know. Um, so uh, yeah, they had to do one. So I made it. I did uh, OSUT. I did. Um, those is one-stop unit training. I went right through um, basic training and went all the way through to, to um, MP school. Uh, funny story. One of, I had started with three drill sergeants. One of them PCS, which meant that they moved, and uh, they went to Korea. Another drill sergeant got booted off the trail for I don't know what, <clears throat> but uh, we were left with one. <laughs> and if anybody knows how the military works, uh, we're drill sergeants. They usually have an early man and a late man, and they switch off, and they do a lot of stuff. Well, when you don't have somebody to swap off with, you're stuck with the privates for 24-7 pretty much, except for the time you, they're sleeping, which isn't a whole lot. So he really, really hated us because <laughs> we were there all the time with him, and he had nobody to give us to except for on Sunday. You know, we got to go to church, and, right. you know, everybody found God during basic. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, that was uh, that was an interesting thing. My first time away from home, you know, my mom came down to Fort McClellan for graduation, and you know, I became that was my introduction to law enforcement. And uh, I went to Germany for two years, and that is where you know I, I know there's going to be some people that love beer and love everything, but beer wasn't always the way it is now, where you got all these little breweries and everything. In Germany, though, that's how it was. It's been like that forever. Like we're oh. so far behind the times. Like every little. Um, city had their own brewery and you know we we just had um that well that's where i learned to dislike beer um <laughs> i didn't like german beer so i started drinking whiskey over there um so yeah you know you're 18 years old you're legal in germany and you just drink um many so, nights in nuremberg yeah so okay so yeah. yeah i was in fishbach and we had this beer called the permanator it was out of permissance and when you get out of basic training, obviously you're not drinking for the, the nine weeks you're in basic training. And then OSA, you know, you get some passes, you might be able to drink, but you're really, you got out of practice from high school. Um, so when you get over there, their beers were like 8.2%. So you got, you know, some thick boys. Well, you get some private Joe Smith coming from Alabama that thinks he can slam like a 24 pack <laughs> of Budweiser and he cracks into like four Permanators, so we used to call them Permanator to Terminator, because as soon as they got there, we're like, here, have a beer. And they're like, 
you know, and then the next thing they're on the floor and like, hey, welcome, new guy. And we used to call them, you can swear, right? Yeah. Okay, noofs. We used to call them noofs, new useless fucks. So, um, so that was that was Germany. I was there for two years. Um, did you show up a private and leave a private or? No, that... no. I, I, wow, you're asking good questions now because you do know I'm a Sergeant Major, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, I should be in, so that's an E9. Right. Like should, I should be an E11. I was going to say like yeah. 11 to 14. Well, yeah. yeah. So were you military at all? Not at all. Okay. So I fit in real well with this conversation. So E9. I do accounting. So, so I'm really good with Excel. So he can explain a Sergeant Major. So in layman's terms, you want to explain a Sergeant Major? It's the guy you never want to see or deal with, you're terrified of, but he's the highest enlisting rank that is achievable in the Army. So on the enlisted side, not an officer unlike those nerds, but basically right. he's in charge of your boss's 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 boss. Boss. Yeah. <laughs> so in corporate like, life like the CEO? Yeah. You, like, well. He's, he walks around. And yells at you to get off his grass, but then yeah. literally would dictate, hey, we have to do A through F, and then I'm going to give you an order, and then make sure the lowest guy can understand what we have to do. Gotcha. And then it'll just go down the chain. But it's... There's only there's only 1% of us in the Army. Yeah, so... Out of the entire... The Army makes up 2% of the U.S. population, roughly. Mm-hmm. So, and that, that's a very large 2%, so don't ask me if I know, like, Brian Smith out of Utah <laughs> from 1st Division, because they don't. Um but it's it's very large, but it's at the same time it's it's two percent. It's small, and then within that, not everybody makes it to sergeant major. It's 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 just it's something that when I joined when I was a private, it was that was my goal. Like I want to be. Oh, was it really? Yeah, it, I'm like I'm gonna make sergeant major. Like that was just that's me. So how does somebody make that time? Yeah, okay. time and a lot of education, a lot of schooling. Like you never stop learning. Like yeah. I literally like you're always having to do something. There's there's schooling. There's there's boards, there's just evaluations, there's just everything that goes into it. So when you said, did I go there as a private and leave as a private, I got there as a private, I made it to E4, and then... Um, and then there's one night. Well, there was two. Um, <laughs> so, yes, I, uh, I, got, uh, I got a little trouble. I went from E3 to E2, and then I went back to E3, and then back to E2, and then I made E4, and then E5, and then I was good then. Um, and then I, uh, then I went to Kentucky, um, which, as you all know, is the Bourbon Trail. Mm-hmm. Um, I was stationed at Fort Knox, and uh, there I worked. Um, I worked narcotics. Okay. So um, that was a fun, fun experience. Thank God there was no social media, because I already felt like there was you know a target on my back, blah mm-hmm. blah blah, um, everywhere we went. And but we had a lot of fun. We had a really close knit team, and um, we did a lot of fun stuff. And, uh, you know, but I think back now and how much I terrified my mother on all around, because as, as I tell you this whole story, all right, so I left home, went to the military and what do I become a cop military, please. And then, you know, I go away to Germany. So I go to another country, like that's probably terrifier. But then I come home and it's like, oh, he's back in the state. Oh, he's working undercover narcotics. Like, <laughs> oh, great. So then I was like, all right, uh, my time's almost up. I, uh, I enlisted for four years. I'm like. You know, I'm probably going to get out, you know, go to college, figure out, you know, what I can do now. And I took college classes while I was in the Army, stuff like that, um, what you can do. And then uh, I came home and I went to Buff State and I worked in some of the the bars, which is funny because the people that I worked with now, as I'm selling 13 Monkeys now, they own bars. 
So it's like they were like bartenders and this. So it's like this whole progression thing. You know, they basically made Sergeant Major the the bar business um, <laughs> or officers. Some of them are nerds. Yeah, I guess right. whatever. Um, so then uh, I became a drill sergeant. So I I went to drill sergeant school, and at drill sergeant school is when I met Christopher Dill. Um, so f- when you for drill sergeant school, this is way before I was a sergeant major. Um, I was a E five. Yeah, E5, I went when I was, yeah, I became, I was a E5, I became a drill sergeant. So me and Chris, 36 of us went to school, only six of us graduated. Like the attrition rate is like, like phenomenal. It's either fitness or or mental. Like there's a lot of, you know, um, regurgitation and memorization and, you know, Next move, now name, explain, have demonstrated new conduct practical work on is a position of attention. Position of attention is a two-part command when preceded by a preparatory command, such as platoon, squadron, demonstrator, demonstrator, post, and, like, keep going. And you got to do that in front of, like, your instructors, and then you get two, two times you can make a mistake. And when you do them, you have to say, as you were. So that's our thing of, as you were. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't mess up, just as you were. I carry on. Your fault, my yeah, mistake. Yeah, exactly. Like, you do that. So as soon as you make a mistake and you say, as you were, you're screwed <laughs> because you know you only have one left, and then that's all you're concentrating on. Oh crap! I only got one more. Like what? And then you immediately make another mistake, and then you're like, and then you you basically you got to do more stuff. So it's just it was a pain. Um, but yeah, so me and Chris, um, that's when I, that's when I thought I met Chris. And what I mean by that is I'll I'll tell you it'll come full circle. But that's when I thought I met Chris. And we um we instantly became friends. So it was me, him, and four other dudes that graduated. I uh, you know I was he had his wedding, he got he became a police officer or a firefighter. I became a police officer around the same time. We used to go to the bandits games when, you know, they were in the championships and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And we had season tickets for that and we'd play uh PlayStation, uh Madden, um on Super Bowl Sunday, like we would lead up to that, we'd play uh, Mutant League football, which I just found out recently they have a new version of it on PlayStation, and it's phenomenal. It's like it's the greatest game ever. It's just like Madden, only you can kill people and like wow. blow things up and throw the bomb, and it's literally a bomb, and it's all like aliens and mutants. It's great. So check it out. There's a free <laughs> plug for Mutant League football. Um, so then, uh, yeah, we were drill sergeants at Fort Leonard Wood, um, Missouri, and Fort Knox, Kentucky. And uh, we did that and pushed through a lot of privates and uh, went um, basically that was our, our life. We basically had our, our social lives at home. He was getting married, you know, all this stuff. Our careers were taken off, everything like that. Then um, – Are you active still at this point or are you guard? Uh, reserves. So reserves. I joined the reserves, okay. yeah. So we got out. I went to Buff State, um, you know, going to school and still wanted to do stuff with the military, so we did that. And, you know, I know people say, like, reserve, but we would go down for, like, the whole summer. So we'd go down and do whole iterations right, yeah. and just go, you know, get privates, pick them up. Um, Shark Attack, which I found out they just got rid of, which is, like, listen, so far the Army's gotten rid of, um, and, and this is me as a sergeant major. I, I really don't care. Let the DOD come take your pod, podcast down. Um, <laughs> but you can't throw a grenade anymore because they found out that it would save money and basically nobody could throw. Like, <laughs> Well, they're not able to throw because you're not allowing to do PT because you don't have to pass PT now to graduate. That's insane. It's it's a it's, two pound weight. Like grow up. Yeah. Throw it, gonna, like Benning and it's gonna explode it? if you don't throw it. So, so that, that motivates you to throw it as far as you can. <laughs> did did Benning remove it too? I, I, from what I'm, that's it's out. 
But yet, I think they still keep the bayonet, which, you know, when's the last time we used the bayonet in right. warfare? I don't know. But it's a motivational <laughs> thing. I don't know. Whatever. So, but it's like, come on. And now the, the whole PT and now the shark attack, which is your introduction to the drill sergeant when you get off that bus. It's the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. And it's, you get off the bus and I'm just going to yell at you and make you find everything in your bag to make sure that you have everything so you can have a successful basic training experience. <laughs> so I don't you, want you missing anything. So you get off the bus. They're this close to your face, screaming at you. The brim of their hat has sweat dripping off onto you. Hashtag COVID. And then they literally dump your bag after they so listen they we grab inventory your, bag, your belongings they, they, gra- they grab your bag <laughs> they put it they make a giant bag pyramid and everyone has the same issued green duffel bag then they say go find your bag listen though i'll tell so, you what my bag though you know and this whole um did you spray that thing for fleas no no my bag so this is how it worked back then our bag had our social security number stenciled yeah. on the bag which yeah. went all over the world so i mean i should get free credit stuff for like life from the army like come on so yeah now they're blank yeah so well ours ours also had the same stencil it was first initial last name and then your your number yeah ours had our whole social social security yeah the whole thing so you're basically you're getting screamed at and smoked at the same time so they're making you do excessive physical activity exercises we're conditioning your body yeah making you lose weight (laughs) if you didn't find your bag fast enough which they give you 10 seconds which is one two you're out of time then they, if you find your bag, they make you run to the other side of the sand pit. It's a football field that's full of sand. And then they dump your bag for the inventory. And yeah. then some other guy, like his best friend, comes over and then kicks your shit all over the place. And they're like, go find it. And you're just like, well. And then that's when you learn as a private, I have to physically write my name and last four on the tags of every single piece of thing mm-hmm. that I got from the Army. So I know that I don't have it because then later. This is my boot. There are many like it, but this one is mine. Because then later they'll flip your lockers upside down. To the entire barracks. I used to tie everybody's then, boots together when I destroyed their barracks. <laughs> and I wouldn't tie yours together. I would tie yours with his, and I would tie two up. <laughs> so it's funny. When they all got separated, there would be two privates going, oh, drill sergeant, permission to speak. Huh? What, private? Drill sergeant, I, I have two left boots. I'm like, really? Do you think somebody has two right boots? Go find them. I guarantee you're going to have a left and a right then. You definitely should have joined. So, yeah, so basically that's – so they, they took that fun away. And it was just a no, lot of stress fun. And for you. It was terrible for us. We couldn't sleep. But, yeah, so that's that's what that is. So, yeah. So they took that away apparently. It's too stressful. Gotcha. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it seems like a walk in the park for me, an outsider looking at Real easy. Well, I mean, you will be going to <laughs> Afghanistan or Iraq after that. You know, those aren't That's stressful true. at all. Yeah, so, you know, okay. But <laughs> so, moving on. so you do your trail iterations, come back up. Yeah. And then, the uh, yeah. So then um, after, so as I did that, um, you know, my mom was like, oh, okay, he's not doing narcotics anymore. Well, I had to be at 12B which was a combat engineer. So now I played with explosives and taught explosives. <laughs> so my mom's like, and she never said anything. My mom was like, you know, all five foot four of her and just, you know, strong woman. And um, yeah, she was like, okay, like this is another thing. So yeah, I taught explosives for um, combat engineers and uh, yeah, just kept moving forward. And then um, 9-11 obviously happened. And then in 2004, uh, for Iraq, me and Chris and a bunch of others got uh, mobilized to go to Iraq. And uh, we went in iterations. He was two weeks ahead of me. So we went through the whole mode process, the mobilization of getting us ready to go to Iraq. And then uh, 
I was on a 10-man team. He was on a different 10-man team because, like I said, we were two weeks apart. But we ended up in November. Everything hovered around October, it seems like, in my military career because I, I joined the Army in October. I went to Iraq in October. And uh, Phantom Fury was happening in Fallujah, for those that remember. That's when um, they basically – they retook Fallujah after they ended up hanging a bunch of the contractors off of the bridge and everything like that. So he got to Fallujah two weeks before me and he would just email me when he could. And he'd be like, this is the worst place on the planet right now. And I'm like, Oh, well, we'll see where I'm going to go. So luck of the draw, I ended up in the same tent on a different team in Fallujah with them. Um, and we used to stay outside of the Marine Corps base, which was camp Fallujah because we lived with the Iraqis. So we had a battalion. Each team had a battalion of Iraqis that we basically took, and we like we would look for Zakawi. That was like one of our things that we would do. And I, I always think now, like my whole life would have changed if we would have found Zakawi. And we got really close. We got within like three miles of him because we were tracking him with uh, cell phones and pings and everything mm-hmm. else. And it was kind of cool that uh, we got close, but uh, yeah, we didn't we didn't get him. Then they dropped a five hundred pound bomb on him, so I'm glad I wasn't anywhere near that. <laughs> so that was a good thing. <laughs> Shit works out. Um, <laughs> But uh, so me and Chris, um, there's a thing what's known as the art of the drug deal in the in the military where you want something and you can do the correct paperwork and you're probably not going to get it or you can get it by other means, which is still a correct process because paperwork was still done, but it would, you would just get it there. And it was basically who, you know, people that, you know, people that can get things done and just talking to the right people. Cause it's kind of like customer service. You could talk to somebody here at, you know, whatever store and they're going to be like, they're not going to find something because mm-hmm. they just don't care. And then you're going to have the person, the exceptional employee that's going to go above and beyond and be like, yeah, it's right over here. This aisle, blah, blah, blah. Here you go. And Oh, here's the customer service number. Let me know if you have any problem. Like that's how you, you navigate in the military and we kind of got really good at it. And, um, we did a lot of stuff. Um, but the biggest thing that we did was we convinced a Colonel. Now I was at East seven at the time. Chris was in East six that two people on Chris's team were not good. And we convinced them that they should trade me for those two. And the other team was like, Oh, we're going to get two people and get rid of Jaskula because I came from a law enforcement background, and when you're clearing rooms and stuff and you got somebody that worked at, like, Walmart and is, uh, you know, a lieutenant telling you, well, you really shouldn't do that. I'm like, dude, you're, you're, I'm not going to die. And I'm not going to listen to you, so <laughs> just stop talking to me. Um, it created some friction. Um, you know, you, you should listen to people that, you know, they have uh, what we call in the military is a set skill. You know, you're a SME, you're a subject matter expert on some things. You tend to listen to those people. doesn't matter what their rank is. You know, if a private told me, hey, uh, Sergeant Major, I wouldn't do that because you're going to die because it's going to kill you. If you touch those things together, I'm going to listen to them. I'm not going to say, oh, private, I, I got rank. Like, oh, no, like you probably know something like, OK, prove it. You touch them. Like, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not doing it. Um so we did, and I ended up on the same team as Chris. They got two people. Um, their team was a disaster from there on in, and our team was great. Um, but it was me, Chris, and because we were both from Buffalo, and it was me, Chris, and eight other people. So, you know, we did stuff like we did back home, and we just did a, a ton of stuff. Um, I replaced the guy, however, that uh, mortar came in and hit that side of the tent. Um, so I had his little area because he got to go to Lonstool. He lived, but – 
I laughed because all the electrical, it's all 220, and they don't have OSHA, apparently, so everything's open. And the C4 and all the bullets were, like, right by that corner, too, so that's where I slept. So I'm like, well, they can't hit the same thing twice. Like, come on. Like, maybe they kicked the thing, the little mortar rounds. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, it worked out. So me and Chris, um, we basically, uh, we, we lived through that, and then we got out of Phantom Fury. And uh, fast forward, we did a ton of combat operations um, going out. But on April 3rd, um, we went out and we did a mission about six hours away. And uh, so round trip, 12-hour road trip that we took. And uh, it, it's funny because when we tried leaving that morning, the, the gate guards – they were like, you know, whatever, army, privates. Our uniforms were all scrubbed. Like, we had no rank on them. We had no nothing, no names, you know, uh, and uh, no patches. And I'm like, hey, you guys can't leave yet. I'm like, it's, it's 6 in the morning. Like, why can't we leave? Like, did the war stop? Like, what's going on, you know? And they're like, well, no, they, they didn't sweep the road yet for, for IEDs. We're like, oh, okay, so you're just sweeping this road, like, up and down, right? And they're like, yeah. Like, are, are you going six hours away and sweeping the whole road, like, six hours away? It's like, no. I go, and I guess it doesn't matter if we leave now, does it? It's like, oh, that's a good point. I'm like, yeah. All right, bye. So we left. <laughs> um, another another quick story and one for the Marines. Go back to Fallujah. We were out in Fallujah doing a mission, and we got a radio comms that came over. So it's me and Chris, and we're walking around with our, with our, uh, with our Iraqis, right? And we're just walking through Fallujah. And they're like, oh, you got to get back to base. And we're like, oh, that's, like, really cryptic. Like, okay, like, again, did the war stop? Like, what's going on? Like, no, get back to base. And we're like, all right. It's in November. So we get back to base. We're like, what the hell is going on? It's a Marine Corps birthday. <laughs> they called everybody back <laughs> so they can all get a beer from Budweiser. So they, they marked your hands with X when you got a beer. And then every Marine and every Army dude is, just like, spitting on their hand, like, wiping off the X so they go get another beer. So, yeah. So, anyhow, that was that one. But um, on April 3rd, we went out. We did something. It was, it, was, it was really nothing. We ended up going to this town, and uh, we got some computers. We got some a small weapons cache. Nothing, it, was, I mean, it, was, it was nothing huge. It was just whatever. There was really nobody there. It was kind of ghost town. It was kind of weird. And because uh, we always knew that if there was kids and families around, like, we were pretty safe. But there was, like, nobody around. It was, like, ghost town, like, weird movie set, like, rolling into this thing trucks on the side like all this crazy things and we went through and we got some stuff and we took it back with us well the next day on april 4th um i had some stuff to do and me and chris we built like we built the iraqis um mwr morale recreation welfare in the army like they didn't have anything to do and the army always does stuff for us like they they give us we got gyms we got volleyball courts we got golf courses we got like there's tons of stuff to do on your downtime so you're not just drinking which most of us do anyhow but there's a lot of stuff you can do but the the iraqi army really didn't have anything so we built them a soccer field i mean most of those kids were born with soccer balls in their hands Mm -hmm. like they were phenomenal like we actually played we had me and chris did a drug deal and we got two soccer nets but and this is the funny thing we took them from the army side and we brought them over to the iraqi side because we again we didn't get to live inside the compound we lived outside the compound and we made we got flour from the the defect and we made the lines and we did everything and some major came over, and I'm going to be seven. Like, Congress is the only one that can take my rank. Like, I don't care. So some major comes over and goes, those are ours. And I'm like, no, they're not. Like, 
they were Saddam's before we even got here. And I had a guy, and it's funny, an Iraqi soldier with my interpreter. He was a sergeant major in the old Iraqi army. He actually had a hand receipt for those goals. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, he was like, I'm like, dude, this is perfect. I'm like, come here, major. I'm like, hey, look at this. Like, no, these are ours. And so are those other ones. So we're going to let you use those ones. And then we played the Americans. We slaughtered them. <laughs> that was a, <laughs> we always used to say, oh, those are the Americans. Because we really didn't fit in with the the army because we were always outcast living with the Iraqis. You know, like, aren't you afraid of living with them? I'm like, oh, they have plenty of chances to kill us, and they haven't so far. So, you know, I'm good. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty funny. He had a hand receipt, though, for those. So, for those listening, you said we we got, it was a drug deal to get to soccer nets, and – you also stated that you did narcotics, not a literal drug deal. No, you're saying the army term. The for army, drug deal. the army okay. term for drug deal. Yeah. So, so for for you, basically, it's you work something out. We work something out to go get them, yeah, and by true. go get them, we got them at midnight and a deuce and half. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you, brought them, but they were ours. Like can, we didn't literally did not steal them. Like they were they were Saddam's army's soccer nets, and we basically brought them back to the Iraqis yeah. so they can use commandeered. Them. Yeah. That's all. And uh, it was it was some so. What happened on the 4th when um, I got up in the morning and I started dragging the field. Um, I had to do some other stuff, but then I dragged the field. We had like a <clears throat> a truck and, you know, some fencing and we would just drag it, you know, and get it ready for, for the Iraqis. Well, I came back and went to lunch and um, Chris was gone. And, and understand this, every time we went out on a mission, either I was driving and he was gunning or I was gunning and he was driving. Mm-hmm. We only had two up Arbor and Humvees, <laughs> and the Iraqis rolled with all their Nissans and Toyotas with the PKCs, their their machine guns in the back. And that's how we rolled out. Um, so when I came back, I was like, oh, where's Chris? And they're like, oh, he went with the lieutenant and the colonel from the American side, and uh, they were going to the place that we went yesterday. And I'm like, it's kind of like kicking the hornet's nest and then returning. Like, you just don't mm-hmm. do that. Um, so, that was the loudest door ever. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so when I got, I asked where Chris was, they're like, oh, he went with them because he didn't want them doing stuff with his battalion of Iraqis. I mean, he we all watched out for our own soldiers. And it doesn't matter if you were, you know, Iraqi or not. They, you guys were, they were our soldiers. Um, and we treated them as such. I mean, our lives pretty much depended on them and their life depended on us knowing what we were doing. So, um, it was the oddest day altogether because from that moment that I know that he went down there, I was like, all right, so backwards planning in the military is like, I had to be here at six o'clock, you know? Mm -hmm. So I know like, okay, I got to leave. I got to go here. So I, I start working back. This is going to take me 15 minutes. This is going to take me 40 minutes for travel. And then I know what time I got to leave. Therefore I'm on time. So I started backwards planning like, okay, he left at this time. So I'm like, okay, he should be coming back. So six o'clock at night, I started dragging the field and doing stuff and they weren't back. They weren't coming back yet. And I was like, all right, they should be rolling in around nine o'clock we got word that they had, um, they got ambushed. So I immediately went to um, division and I got, I asked our colonel, I said, I need a truck and I need a 50 cal because they took both of ours. So I scrambled and got my, my battalion together, the, my company out of the battalion and immediately started going and had to stand down. Wasn't allowed to roll out. They sent, 
um, a QRF and some other things. I mean, it would have took me six hours to get there. Right. But so they started responding. Then we heard that another American got killed, another Iraqi got injured, another Iraqi got injured, and we started getting all this intel. And I had everything ready to go by five in the morning. We finally got to roll out. And when I got there around 11 o'clock, noonish, they wouldn't let me out of the truck. And that's when I knew Chris was killed. So, um, drive back, uh, at that time. I mean, I, from there, pretty much a lot of stuff is a blur for me because the realization of basically your friend just got murdered, um, and you lost your best friend, you know, and everything. And I mean, we had friends that had been killed over there. I mean, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. We knew they were, you know, they were on other teams. We knew people, Karpowitz died on Christmas up in Missoula and, uh, and, uh, um, defect bombing, uh, suicide vest in a defect in the dining facility. So it, it's not like we didn't know like what war is. Like we saw a lot of a lot of shit. But this is just something that was like so personal, so crazy that now all of a sudden Chris's dad was Bill Dill. He was a uh, um, he was in special forces. He was a Buffalo firefighter. He, you know, I had to talk to him and tell him you know and then he made arrangements so general petraeus there was no escorts out of theater so i couldn't take him home officially until general petraeus got involved he was contacted and then he sent his own helicopters to fly me and chris to buy up baghdad international and from there to kuwait and then kuwait to philadelphia um and you know it was it was a crazy thing like you know I loaded his casket up with like 15 other caskets with flags draped over them. Um, so it's like, you know, I had people going, well, you can't go to theater. I'd be like, you need to talk to this guy on the phone. And it's, you know, general Petraeus's aide going, no, he's going. And then flying to Dover, um, well, Philadelphia. And then I drove to, to Dover. I got, I got pulled over immediately leaving Philadelphia doing like 90 in a suburban, um, down the middle of the road. I got pulled over and the, the trooper handled it, it really well because i mean i was basically yeah i was out of my mind at that point like nothing was like that's how i was driving in iraq like what's this is 12 hours difference like what what do you mean and you know he's like where are you going and i'm like uh my buddy just got killed i'm going to dover and he actually he escorted me the rest of the way to the state line and then you know i went from there but um that whole process was insane because as soon as i got down there they're like okay we got a process you know chris so go back to Philadelphia, go to this hotel and you're going to stay there. And then seven o'clock in the morning, they'd call me and be like, Oh, he's not ready. And day two, seven o'clock in the morning, they call me. He's not ready. Day three, not ready. Day four, not ready. Day five. So me being in a hotel room for five days was probably not the best thing. Um, that's I the, mean, yeah, that's, that's the army for you. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it, I'm hoping that they learned a lot of stuff, but yeah, that, that, there could have been a, a potential lot of problems with that, um, but I I basically muddled through it, and then um, I uh, basically came brought escorted him home from Dover. So he's in uniform in the casket. I'm in uniform. Um, we came home to Buffalo International Airport. So you can imagine every firefighter, every police officer, every military person, and then the community as a whole for that funeral. It was astronomical. It was it was crazy. He was you know, put in the back of the fire truck, the whole fireman's funeral procession, things like that. Um, so it was kind of a, a week and a half of me being home. And then 
I pretty much told the army, I was like, listen, I just send me anywhere else. I just don't want to go back to the same team and the same place, like down the hall. And they're like, I'm like, you can send me to Afghanistan. You can send me wherever you want. I'm like, I don't care. Like send me like, no. And so I went back to Iraq to finish out my tour. Um, that was definitely an odd experience because, you know, like I said, he drove, I gunned, I gunned, Mm -hmm. he drove. Like now there wasn't that. And it was eight other dudes that, you know, we're talking Buffalo and making Samoon pizza out of the, the Iraqi bread. And my dad's sending pizza sauce and pepperoni and mozzarella. And, you know, these guys, Domino's is their best pizza, like, you know, stuff like that. So it was kind of a, a really surreal experience. And then, you know, now I come home and, uh, just had to go back to my job and go back to life. And it was kind of, there was no, there was no, um, there was no real nonprofits that, that helped out veterans at all. Like it was, you know, just, uh, you're, you're reintegrated. Like mm-hmm. I'm really not <laughs> like, there's a, like, I really don't care. Like these people don't understand like half of this stuff and like what they think is very important is really not like in the scheme of things, right. you know, like, you're not getting shot at. Like, how does that, that should be a good day for you. <laughs> like, whatever. <laughs> um, so, uh, after that, I started doing some work with, um, uh, a person, Jack O'Connor and, uh, Harry and judge Russell from Buffalo veterans court. They, uh, they had this idea that they wanted to take a court, Right now, the way that court normally works is you got um, family matters. You go to family court. You got drug. You go to a drug court. You go to alcohol court. You, you know, and you got substance abuse issues, stuff like this, mental health courts. Well, they, they kind of inverted it, and they started asking who was in jail was a veteran. And then instead of sending them to different courts, they brought them all into one court. So I was one of the first mentors with Jack. He's like, hey, would you be interested in doing this? You're a police officer, kind of a social worker with a gun. You know, would you be interested? And I was like, yeah. Like, so we did that, and it, it took off. Like, there's a ton of veterans courts all throughout. Um, but they, they needed money. They did things. And I joined, like, a VFW just, you know, because one of my buddy's dads was in one. And I was like, yeah, join. I'm like, it really wasn't for me. But when I did veterans court, I saw the need for money that they had. And I was like, oh, like. I wonder what I could do. And the VA at the same time, they had uh, the golden age games and they had to raise money for that. It's like a, an Olympics for 50 veterans, 50 or and over. And they go all over the thing and all over the world or U S whatever. And they send like, if a veteran from Buffalo wants to compete in whatever skeet shooting or golf or some other thing, they'll fly them. Like they had them in Hawaii, they had them in Nashville and they brought it to Buffalo. And it's like, it's an expensive thing. The government says it's, it costs about $500,000. It's this huge production. They give you two fifty, and the local community is expected to raise the rest of the money. So I was like, Oh, well, basically I said, I'll do a walk from point A to point B. I'll carry, you know, some weight for, I knew Chris and I was like, there's other people. So there was literally at the time, in 2012, there were 60 local soldiers that were killed in action um, since 9-11 from, from this area. So I went and uh, I talked to some some of my friends, and I'm like, well, what am I going to carry? Like, I don't want to carry a phone book, like, you know, a couple phone books to make weight. I go, I'll carry a pound per soldier. I go, I can carry 60 pounds, and I'll just go from point A to point B. I went out to the woods, and there was these 
tons of stones and my mom brought a scale and I quickly realized how dense and heavy rocks are because I figured I'm going to carry like 60 rocks. So I picked up this one like the size of my hand and it was like four pounds and I'm like, yeah, this isn't going to work. <laughs> so got some smaller rocks. I mean, they're still sizable. They're actually on display at the VA in the OAF office. Not that you can go there with COVID right now, but when it opens, they're on display. So I ended up carrying 60 rocks and we wrote names on them. They're pretty much flat rocks, but we wrote names, Chris Dill and, you know, Travis Craig and, you know, um, Billy Wilson and Baker and there's just a, a a bunch of names that were local and I didn't know any of these families I didn't know anything, so I walked from uh, I walked from Boston, New York to Orchard Park, New York. It was it was uh, 13 miles. It was like 23 kilometers. What road? Uh, well, actually, it was supposed to be 219, but the DOT wouldn't let me do it, so I ended up walking old 219. So there was a Amvets. Yeah, well, that road sucks because it's. It, Chestnut Chestnut Ridge Road, when you get off of the old 219 there to go up towards Chestnut Ridge and get on to 277, the incline on that hill, like you can touch the ground like in front of you when you're walking with the rucksack. You're leaning over and you can pretty much put your hand on the asphalt. Like it's such a – it took me 20 minutes just to walk up that road, like literally like probably a tenth of the mile. It was steep as hell. And uh, I remember <laughs> driving around that first night. My friend, she goes – Carrie goes, this is really long. And I'm like, thanks for mentally beating me up right now. Like, I know it's really long. And what do you think I've been looking at? Yeah, I go, and I have to do this tomorrow, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. Like, this is, like, really taxing on my brain now. Like, I was – because I, I had been walking. Like, I could – I supposedly – I just throw on a rucksack. I could walk forever. I hate running, but I can walk – I could walk home from here if I wanted to. Um I don't know, but uh, I remember the news came out the next day, and the dude's, like, wearing me up. So I got the 60-pound ruck on. I'm walking. And you know how you got to get your breath and you get into a rhythm? Mm -hmm. Like, he's literally hitting me on the first the first tenth of a mile. Like, I'm on the radio going, and, yeah, I'm like, dude, I don't even have my breath yet. And you're adding weight to me by making me carry this battery pack and other thing. Like, dude, I don't need more weight right now. So he did a good job, though. But uh, it took me three hours, three and a half hours, I think it was. I, I brought my dog, and – um. Kept me motivated. I had uh, police in front of me and back of me, so I didn't get smoked by somebody on the side of the road. Um, and, yeah, we ended up at a spaghetti dinner, and I raised four grand. But that kind of led to – it could be an annual thing, but I'm like, I'm not walking every year to raise four grand. Like, screw this. I said, I'll turn this into a, a fun thing where people can do it. And then that kind of sparked, like, well, what are they going to carry? And my thing is logistics. Like, okay, what do I got to do? So – they, uh, I said, well, we'll have them bring canned goods. So first one, fast forward, we ended up, um, we had 100 people, and we raised 5,000 pounds of food. And the next year, we had 200 people. And the following year after that, um, 300. And on average now, we've been raising 25,000 pounds of food. Wow. On one afternoon. Um, third week of August, and people are like, why are you doing it in August? Like, it's hot. I go, because I'm a drill sergeant at heart, and I don't <laughs> like people so much. Like, And they should experience what it's like to carry a rucksack with, you know, heavy stuff. So, uh, yeah, we've been doing that, and the, the way the road march works is we have every name from New York State that was killed in action since 9-11, and we have them all along the route, and it's a 10K route at Chestnut Ridge Park. Chestnut Ridge is awesome. It's hilly. It's, it's a great venue. And uh, the Parks Department is great. And 
the signs span the entire thing so you never lose sight of the sign. You go sign to sign to sign. And a ton of people do it. Like, you don't have to carry the food if you don't want to. You can donate ahead. But a lot of people are like, I never thought I could do a 10K. And, you know, nobody's running it, like, mm-hmm. especially late. But they're like, man, those signs, like, really motivated me. And before you knew it, I was done. And we, had, you know, Imperial does the pizza and wings. Labatt's does the beer afterwards. It was a huge thing. Unfortunately, this year, uh, we couldn't do it. So we ended up doing a drive through We still put all the signs up. And uh, I've met a ton of... The Gold Star mothers, um, Gold Star families, and those are Gold Star families and moms are, they lost a loved one in theater and combat. Uh, they lost a son or a daughter. So I met a ton of them, and they're they're all awesome people. And, you know, we, we do a food pantry for them. The food goes to Food Bank of Western New York, Gold Star Mothers, Chapter 77, and some of it goes to Buff State. So, and, and that's known as KIA. KIA Memorial Road March yeah. is what it morphed into. And... What what is funny is KI Memorial Road March. If I hindsight's twenty twenty, I probably wouldn't have named it exactly that because people only think we do the road march and we don't. We um we do the Toast of Fallen in April, which is bands, basket, and booze. We normally have about five hundred people. We have a ton of things going on with that. We got a ice luge for shots. We got all sorts. Of course, we couldn't do it last year, COVID. So we've been hurting for donations now. We also last weekend a year ago. So last weekend would have been our uh, our second one that we did. We did uh, Masquerade and Moonshine. We did a Prohibition Error. Uh, you dress up in Prohibition Error, and we did a Murder Mystery oh, sweet. dinner. And everybody, it was funny because everybody that came in, you got to meet this guy Bean in overalls, and then he brought you over to a hostess, and then it was a speakeasy. So we told you you had to get a mugshot taken in case the police come. We just give them the mugshot, and you get to go home at night. But you got to do a donation. So we made this whole fun thing. So everybody got a, a picture of a mugshot, That's and sweet. we did it black and white. So it was just everybody had a really good time. And we do. We do a lot of fun events at KA. We've done um, a kid's race where they carried school supplies. We did uh, night ops where they carried toys. We do that in September couldn't do that one and then we give the toys out for christmas so there's we do a lot of stuff so everything's on our website for that one if people want to look at donations or do some of our events and the website's what it's ki memorial ki dot com. okay so have you done the k yet no yeah tell them the experience first time i did it my buddy was on block leave and he's in 275th so i was all jacked up because i'm like i finally get to rock with my buddy he's in rage regiment like this is gonna be sweet so I go to Tops and I'm like, I'm going to pack my ruck with canned goods. I'm like, no problem. So I buy all this food and I'm like, I'm going to donate it. Like, I'm such a good human. <laughs> pack my ruck, put it on the scale. And I'm like, it's 65 pounds. And I'm like, all right. Like, it's it's fine. Like, you know, and then the whole army ego kicked in. It's like, I'm an infantryman. I can do this. Like, dismount reconnaissance. Like, this is easy. It's only 65 pounds. Like, it's it's not even in the woods. Like, it's on road. So he shows up and he's in he's in Ranger Regiment and he's in phenomenal shape. I already had like eight deployments under his belt, and he shows up with a thirty five pound rock full of rice. <laughs> and I'm like, what is what is that? Like what what's that? Like I'm I'm in the guard. Like I shouldn't. I, this is op- like it should be opposite. In in the grand scheme of things, and he's like, yeah, but I'm not an idiot. <laughs> and I'm like, that's the difference. Like that's we, the difference between me and you. Full disclosure: we hate people that bring just bags of rice we can't distribute it and he bought like the yeah five, they do like right because the they of rice. do the because it's easy to carry yeah. right so i end up giving those to food pantries just as blocks of rice i'm like here you go make some soup because i'm like i can't like if you came in as a veteran uh, how pissed would you be if i just took a cup and be like here's a cup of rice because i gotta t- 
50-pound bag. Yeah, it'd be the most army we, thing in the world. We tell people, though, if they want to bring rice, get the little 90-second microwavable bags. There just you go. buy 100 of those, yeah. and you'll have a 100-pound ruck. Like, yeah. That's easy to distribute. So, yes, we tell people don't bring glass and don't bring that. We always get spaghetti sauce and jars, and those always break, and 50-pound bags of rice that I have to lug around. I'm like, oh, okay. It's so. It's a great event, though, because it does give you something to train for, and then it just kind of – you can incorporate that event into your training regiment for the rest of the year and the, the training cycle that you're going through, especially leading up to a deployment. And but, you could just do it and drink beer and pizza afterwards, and you'll, right. you'll hate yourself on would Monday do, yeah. going, oh, I'm really sore. But it's a it – it is – like you said, it is a good experience. It's a lot of good people, and we've never – as divisive as everything is right now, there's none of that at any of our mm-hmm. our events. Like it's all like, oh, we want to help people, we want to do stuff, we want to have fun while we're doing it. And you know, you you talk to some of the the moms, and they're like, you know what, this is cool because this is something that my kid would have done. Mm-hmm. Like they want to have fun. It, it's, it doesn't always need to be this solemn, sad thing. It, it, we do a twenty one gun volley. We do a you know we sometimes we have a flyover. We have a, a band playing. Like we do a whole ceremony in the beginning. So it's just it's a good thing. And you know we've been doing it since two thousand thirteen was the very first public one 2012 i did and then so we've been doing it every year this year people did it on their own they did a virtual one they did um they walked and they donated food so it's it's good i'm just it's like christmas morning for me like i want to do it like Mm -hmm. i want to to have a uh the event so i'm hoping 2021 we can do a bunch of ki events yeah we'll do it together it's yeah a good time. absolutely we'll just throw a rock on you and walk around this bagpipes just perfect fun stuff. yeah you i'll fill it up with like a 50 pound bag of popcorn just kernels or your something gear and you get the podcast <laughs> yeah. as you're going yeah exactly <laughs> so for so kia then spiraled into what your next endeavor would have been so how did where did this come from like okay what, what in the world so i have a lot of um ideas that pop in my head with the one thing we didn't talk about with the road march was the challenges oh yeah you could be a part of a team and then further smoke yourself by not just doing a 10k but their stations so it's like man down carry him and his shit over there time right. now you're being timed Jesus. or you can pick up like five bowling balls and transport them from point a to point b or you can you can blindfold him put him on your back and then he has to make you navigate a maze you know because you're blindfolded mm-hmm. and he's the one going no and depending on how you carry people you know it's it's like some people throw him over their back like a fireman's carrying so see. he's telling you well no you're blindfolded walking oh, carrying him yeah. and he'll be like go left but he's thinking his sure. left and you go your left <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're like no and then you do that with like 20 people in that maze and it's this mess like yeah it's awesome that's so cool these all come out of my head (laughs) we call them the drill sergeant challenges so i mean we've had some we literally i got um basically giant um tubes that they use for like sewer lines and stuff like that that sucked it was awesome. That's and when it started raining, it was even better. Yeah, it was so it was the best thing in the world. But it was it was like a so, tough mutter. Have you been to Chestnut Ridge? Yeah. All right, the sledding hill. Yep. All right, I put these tubes on the sledding hill, but it wasn't steep enough for me, so I jacked them up even more with pipe and some. I sling loaded them, so now they were like this. And then I sprayed them with Pam, so they were extremely slippery, and they were twenty feet long, which on average a human is you know roughly five foot something. So the idea was that. 
if it was us and one more person, we're all on average about five foot. We can't get up the tube, so he would have to lay down. I would have to climb over him, mm-hmm. put my feet on his. Then you would have to climb over both of us. Sure. And then the last person would have to do it. And then they get to the top and they can throw a rope down. But I, I sprayed it with Pam and baby powder. So it was like it was almost like you just got um, shaken baked because everybody's <laughs> coming out of there like that. But it started downpouring so bad that nobody could get up, even with – with the people trying to climb, they would slide down, so we had to throw the rope in, and it was still incredibly hard. And yeah, I so I wear I wear the MF verbiage like a badge of honor. Everybody that goes through there's like mother, fuck. <laughs> like I'll take that MF all day long. That means I did a good job. So yeah, people are like, I'm 220 pounds. This is bullshit. I'm like, hmm, lose some weight. I don't know what to tell you. Exactly. Yeah. Like whatever, dude. Yep. Um, How tall are you? Six foot. Perfect. You should no more be 178. Like whatever the max is. <laughs> like yeah. you're fat. <laughs> so, but everybody, it, it is it is a ton of fun. We we come up with different challenges all the time, and we have Chris Dillhill. Like for Chris Dillhill, it's it's called Mother to most people that run uh, Chestnut Ridge, but we rename it Chris Dillhill. And the first one came from when me and him were drill sergeants. We would walk, and we'd walk like Big Bang, Baby Bang, these big hills at, uh, I think I think those were at Fort Knox. I'm not sure, whatever. They all got these huge hills. But we would go all the way to the top, and the privates would get up there, and we'd be like, we'd kind of be sucking wind. So we'd be like, all right, privates, go back to the bottom and go do a water point down there because the water buffalo would be down there. So we'd get all the way to the top, and then they'd have to go all the way down while we waited, and then they would come back up the hill. you know. And then we'd be like, all right, let's go, and then – they don't realize that they just did it twice and they're tired and we only did it once. But so Chris still the one, the one, the first year I did it, the challenge, you get a challenge coin for doing the, the whatever challenges. So people would go up there and they would get up and they would be like, all right, what's the challenge? And like, you gotta go back down to the bottom of the hill, get your challenge coin. They're like son of a, <laughs> so then they turn around and come back. Um, the one year we did it where they had to put a ball, a dodgeball between their legs and they had a hop up the hill. Like that was insane smoked your calves oh yeah it, it totally did yeah so we have a lot of fun doing those so anyhow <laughs> though that's part of the thing and you can do them single you can do them as a team you know you can do whatever you want um and a lot of people do fundraising for their teams and it's it's just it's a really good event so when you said how did this come into my head a lot of those challenges wake me up at about when I, you know when you're just starting to wake up and you're mm-hmm. like oh i gotta do this, this. i'm like oh, I'm going to do bowling balls and a thing, and they're going to climb over a semi-trailer, and then they're going to do this. And I'm like, all right, I got to get on Facebook and see who's got bowling balls. And then, you know, I find out, you know, people start donating bowling balls, and we get enough for the challenge, and then we implement the challenge. So about six years ago, I was like, I want to do a drink because – and you'll relate. You got a bracelet on. How many times have you – What? so what date? His name for Coop. He passed November fifth. So November fifth. Yeah. Walk me through a day in November fifth. Do you go to a cemetery? Do you have a drink? If he's not around here, do you? You pretty much. I, I do a shot. For you him. do a shot for yeah. him. You leave him a shot. You know, or you. you that is the two percent of the army that out of that two percent, the people that have lost somebody. Every one of them does that. I've done that. Mm-hmm. Like I go to the cemetery. I. I put a shot on his bench because he's in a mausoleum. Um, I've done a shot. People have just showed up on his birthday. You normally do something. You'll do a shot. So everybody does these shots and to remember, you know, a fallen comrade. So I'm like, I do Jack or I'll do Jim Beam or because he was Irish, I would do Jameson. I'm like, well, I'm on my own. 
<laughs> and I'm sure other people want something that basically this comes with the medallion on it and you can customize the medallion. So I made the I made like the very first bottle off the assembly line is Crystal's bottle. Like it'll never be opened. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to open another bottle and do shots with them. But this one's going to sit on the shelf with his name on it because this is Chris's bottle. And um, I kept one and I kept 13. And the reason 13, so for 13 monkeys, when I started thinking of this, like, what am I going to name it? I did learn a lot from KA. Like I said, KA Memorial Road March. Everybody just thinks we do a road march. Mm -hmm. So it's like, all right, like, well, what can I call this? 4405, Chris died on April 4th, 2005. Adds up to 13. He was married on the 13th. My name's Jason. Friday the 13th has been friggin' a thing in my life. All, oh, Jason, Friday the 13th, whatever. Um, my lacrosse number was 13. Oh, it's bad luck to have the number. Only if you get hit by me. Like, I'm like, there's a ton of things. Like, I just, whatever. I, Chris liked to gamble. He would always go to, like, Vegas stuff. I've, I'm not a huge gambler, but on his anniversary, I'll go to the casino. I'll play roulette. I've won more times on 13. I literally hit twice 13 on roulette back to back. Wow. And I'm like. Thank you, and I'm out. <laughs> I live with my $600, and I'm like, I'm out. Thanks, Chris. Other times, he doesn't let me win, and I MF him. I'm like, fuck, dude, I'm broke. Like, you, I just spent my last $20 on this shit, and you made me hit the ATM, which I said I would never do. Um, but it just – it all kind of came together, and there's a whole there's a whole story on the side of uh, – there's that door again. I know. It's the creepiest Halloween door. It is. We need some WD-40. Um so, there's um there's a story on the side. I don't know. Did you read it? I yeah. So, but our viewers have no clue about anything. Okay. So treat treat everything like we're on Mars. Okay. So basically, I made this thing drink to honor, and like I said, I learned a lot of stuff from KIA of oh, I don't want to pigeonhole myself into something. So I'm like, I wanted to do a whiskey. I wanted to do something, you know, that a lot of people would be able to just do a drink. Um, do a shot, drink it neat, just something to honor. So I came up with this 13 Monkeys logo, and it's it's a pretty cool logo. It's got uh, – and this is where people will be like, oh, well, that's a gorilla. It is. He's the leader of the 13 Monkeys, so I don't really care. Um, but 13 Monkeys, you know, people are like, oh, is that that movie? I go, no, that was 12 Monkeys, and that sucked, unlike this whiskey, which is good. <laughs> um, but the whole patch, the whole – the whole thing on there. The shield or patch gives credence to military, police, firefighters, and any emergency personnel that have ever worn a patch. 13 stars configured four on the left, four on the right, and five in the middle in the shape of the Pentagon is inspired by Sergeant Major School, his best friend and battle buddy, Christopher Dill, a fellow drill sergeant who was killed in action on 4405, which adds up to 13. When connected, the 13 stars make one army chevron. So the chevron is part of our rank. All right. Makes one army chevron, the rank of private, which reflects that no one starts out at the top, not even generals or sergeants major. The number 13 in the background represents the 13 in roulette, so let it ride. 12 is the dirty dozen, 13 monkeys, that's just chaos. Drink to honor, drink to pay respect, and drink responsibly. Nice. So for all the grammar Nazis out there, a lot of people go, well, it says sergeants major. That is the plural for sar- It's not sergeant majors. It's sergeant's major. So it is correct for any grammar Nazis. They went, oh, it's messed up. I take it that's a kind of a trigger point. Yeah. 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 Yep. yeah, yeah. Same as same as walking on the grass. He just yeah. 
Yep. Yeah. And everybody at my level, you just you leave it be and just like roger that. And <laughs> I don't know on. why it is either, but it is. It's just that's. And it. the Sergeant Major Academy, you have to go to degree, and you have to graduate to now wear yeah. the rank. And it's literally like one of the only places in the entire army that has grass. Fort Bliss. Yeah. In Texas. In Texas. Yeah. Like every, everything in Fort Bliss is sand, desert. Like it's 113 yeah. degrees Except at all Sergeant times. And then you go to Sergeant Major Academy, it's like perfect green grass. <laughs> yeah. It's just, yeah, awesome. that's right. That's cool that it makes a Chevron, too. I didn't know that. So, yeah, it makes the, the rank of private. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got the Pentagon in there, which does the whole, you know, the tribute to 9-11, you know, everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that 13 monkeys is, it's, it's a five-year bourbon mash. It's, uh, it's, a uh, it's good in a lot of things. It's good as a Manhattan. It's good. Neat. It's good. Um, we do a couple things with it and, uh, what's, is the mash bill classified? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's a five-year bourbon mash. Okay. So yeah. we know at least 51% corn. Yep. Yes. Yep. yep. It was, it was made in a different barrel outside of the original barrel. So that's another thing because a bourbon can only be in one barrel. Yep. So oh yeah, this one is. It's yeah. different. Yeah. Mm. So you're gonna get some. Uh, Should we try it? Would you like to try it? I, uh, I would love to. Yeah. Do you want There's... ice? Because I did bring ice. No, I'm good. So yeah. I will tell you that um, these you can buy. Oh, that's so sweet. The other thing that well, it, oh, man, I almost forgot. The entire product is made in the USA. Oh, nice. Everything, the label, the bottle, the medallion, the liquid, the UPC, the liquid. So why did you decide to go with uh like don't, a do not call it a, don't do not call it a mason I'm not a moonshine jar because I had somebody on social media call it they go <laughs> what is it and somebody replied it wasn't my post either it wasn't on there but they go like this like it's a, it's a whiskey it's a bourbon well it shouldn't be in a moonshine jar so I immediately commented on there I go there's no such thing as a moonshine jar right first of all there were canning jars that their grandmothers used to have in the kitchen and they used to put them in there why because they were free. <laughs> Like, I'm like, dude, if you're going to come at me, then come at me. But realistically, there is a reason that it it is like this, and that's classified, but I will tell you offline what the next iteration is going to be and why it's like this. So, Roger that. So for for people that that, do buy it, you can buy it at Eddie's. And you can go to Neat because it's also on their menu there, oh, cool. which is right, right down. We're in, a, we're in, right now we're in uh, thirteen liquor stores and uh, thirteen, huh, get it? And uh, we're in a bunch of bars. No more expansion, all right? It yeah. has to stop at thirteen. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I'm probably gonna waive that rule. You know, we might do a, we might do a frago on that one. Yeah, uh, just have it. But you can get these lids. Now I don't know where these lids are made, but I got them on Amazon. Um, but Wuhan. the yeah. the product itself is all American made, including the medallion, and this is. It's not some Chinese, you know, tchotchke thing. It's it's got some weight yeah. to it, and yeah. um, they're nice. locally they're locally made. So the the engraving everything helps out local businesses too. So you can you go to the website Thirty Monkeys, and that's where you can customize them. Yep. Okay. So you go on there. It's got um it's got a customizable um interactive medallion with a bottle, and then what happens is they'll mail this one back, and then we will send you a new one and then these ones get repurposed on bottles for the liquor stores okay um so here that's so cool so here (laughs) here you go i'm actually gonna i'm very excited for this because we've been talking for months months and months right before the labeling got approved 
Yes. Trying to get you on, and you're like, hold on. And then COVID. I'm, and then COVID hit, but you're like, hold on, I'm going to hell and back, trying to get this damn label approved. And I was like, okay, no problem. And then it finally got approved, and now we're here. So this is a, many months coming. Yeah. So I'm excited it, for this. It, it, it's definitely. So it's you know, 80 proof, too. Oh, yeah. Nice. So go ahead. Oh, man. Do I have to do anything special with this litter, or does it just pour out? No, it'll just pour out. Look at that. You're shaking it. Look bit, at that, man. dude. It's this a nice white color. Yeah, go ahead, pour mine, because I'd probably drop it all over the table. Like a nymph. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Thick pours. Hand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, cheers. cheers. All right, cheers, and portion of the proceeds go to uh, KA. So it kind of came full that. circle. Nice. Yeah. And then I, gotta, I do got to talk about full circle with Chris when I actually met him. Oh, yeah. This is a high corn mash bill. Yes, it Down is. Right now. <laughs> yes, it is. This is good, though. I like high corn. It's a very, very light burn. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a lower hug, which makes me happy because a lot of Kentucky's up front, and then it's a very higher hug, mm-hmm. and this is a lower hug. I like this a lot. Even the flavor profile isn't typical for a Kentucky. No. And it's – I can't – It's got some buffalo in it. There's some, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's oily, mm-hmm. but it's not – an overpower oil, but it makes you salivate. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to like a Buffalo Trace um, experience. Yeah. Where Buffalo Trace is oily and then it'll make you salivate and then you want more. This is good. So, I love this smell. Yeah, oh yeah. What me is very this sweet. your preferred type of bourbon that you like? So I I generally have always been Jack or and then Jack just got too expensive when I was in college, so I just migrated to Jim Beam just because it became cheaper. But um so I'm, I've always been – I've never been uh, a neat or on the rocks. I've always done some kind of mixture. So, you know, I really didn't have the – I don't want to say the – The foresight? Yeah, like just as a kid, like I'm drinking to get drunk. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not about flavor. It's not about this. Like you can crush like bush beer, you know, or you could drink a really high-quality beer and you're not going to go through a 24-pack. So with this – like I really don't have to mix it mm-hmm. with anything. Like normally I'm a I'm in a light one too, like ginger ale. Like I would do something at a bar. And it's just to to mix it up a little bit. But yeah, like a this Jameson one, ginger. Yeah. Yeah. But this one, I I probably need. I I've been putting money in an envelope for the bottles that I've been consuming just because. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like I, I've gone through. Now I will tell you this, and I thought it was a fluke. So the very first night in Kentucky. Um, so I got the bottles off the line and then I, we tried it on the line just to make sure everything's good. And then I brought it back. We were at the hotel and we did, uh, we did a Facebook live thing. My buddy Mike did a uh, whiskey Wednesday and it just happened that we got these on wi- on Wednesday and, um, <laughs> we went and bought a bunch of stuff to just mix it with. Cause we wanted to see what it's going to go good with. Like we liked it like it was so you know, first thing, boom, just did a shot. Like, all right, this is good. Like, this, is, I've been waiting years for this. Like, no, all of a sudden, I'm like, boom. So, and we only did an hour, like, little Facebook live. Then we mixed it with a couple things. Um, ginger ale. We mixed it with cherry coke. It was awful with cherry coke. I didn't like it. I didn't really even like it with like a, a like a Jack and Coke. You know, with a coke. I didn't like it. It was it was almost too syrupy. Mm-hmm. It was just it, sure. it was very. It just I didn't like the way it came out. And I, you know, and then I I did it with ginger ale. I'm like, oh, this is great. Well, then it's a joke. We mixed it with root beer. I'm telling you, 
Yeah, I don't know if it does something with the root beer or if the root beer does something with the whiskey. But you guys can try it off whatever. Just We call it the bomb. Um, we call it monkey beer. So then monkey beer turned into the bomb because we're like, oh, this bomb is Buffalo's own monkey beer. So, we, you know, it's like if we can do it. And so people that don't normally like a whiskey, I would say just try it because nine out of ten people so far have been like, well, the the, the ten person, I don't like root beer and I don't like whiskey. So it's just a loser. They're like, yeah, yeah really. like, like, what are you doing? Yeah, like, Why go, are you out go drink your vodka. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your cream de mint vodka. I don't know. <laughs> so, but everybody else was like, oh, my God, that's like, it's dangerous because – you get no bite. You get no anything. And you'd be like three into it going, uh, so give me an Uber, please. <laughs> I'm going to keep drinking this. This is very good. It's very light, too. It is Like the color light. of it. Yeah. So monkey beer, root beer in this. Yeah. And then some, and, like, and I'll tell you how, I, I you know, I, I appreciate your guys' opinions, but the, the, the two opinions that I got, I have two Italian, I have an Italian uncle and an Italian cousin. They're older than me. They both drink Manhattans. Sure. And separately, I gave them some, and they made a Manhattan out of it right off the bat, and then they went back for a second glass. Two old Italian guys, if they didn't like it, would have just threw it in the garbage, and I would have been like, oh, dude, I'm done. But they went back for a second glass. I'm like, yes, I'm in. That's approval. So so now um, Neat actually has um, the monkey Manhattan. Oh, cool. So. You can oh, get wow. it there. Yeah, they do a, a nice little Manhattan there. And, uh, yeah, so cheers. cheers uh, it's man. been a long this time is, coming. This so. is great. Congratulations on this. Honestly, congrats. <clears throat> and and thank you for everything that you do for the community as well because it's, it's a lot of stuff that most people don't even know. Yeah. So And the thing is, is like in the bars, and, you know, Addie's is doing it, and a lot of people are looking at the medallion and they're buying it, you know, for Christmas gifts and weddings and everything else. So that's where I kind of learned, like, this isn't only going to be a military mm-hmm. thing. Like, people are going to buy this for a retirement or a birthday yeah. or, you know, whatever. And the hopes is that, you know, if, if you didn't know about it and he bought you a bottle and it's got your name on it, happy birthday, you would drink it and be like, Oh, and then hopefully the next time you have something, you go to a wedding or you go like, oh, yeah, I got this. I'm going to mm-hmm. go buy a bottle from Eddie's and customize it. And, you know, I had some lady that already bought four and did Merry Christmas. Like, wow. I would have showed up on the 23rd going, damn it, I got I to gotta <laughs> customize this now. I would have just gave it to you. But like, hey, Derek, Mike, here's your gift. Go customize it. Like, happy birthday, Merry <laughs> Christmas. Right. Um. So, yeah, you might have to have some forethought if you're going to get it, you know, get it enough time that we can get it engraved for you. So what's the lead time on the engraving? Right now, um. Usually, because they have to, they have to mail it back. They will get made quick, but we're not mailing back until we receive this one back. So, you know, if you procrastinate and take a month to mail it back to me, lead time is going to be a month. <laughs> if you do it within a week, you'll probably have it within a week. Okay. Um, so it's fairly quick, but that also depends on um, what you're getting done. If a ton of people come in here and buy more bottles and I'll mm-hmm. send them in at once, you know, we'll get them done as quickly as possible. But definitely, if you come in. Come in tomorrow at the latest for your Christmas. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, come in. We'll have them in time for Christmas, and, you know, and some birthdays. And, you know, we just ask people. But you can always just give them to somebody and say, hey, go on and customize. Put whatever you want on it. Here's your Christmas gift. You know, and it's like that's the thing. Like if you gave me a bottle of this for your wedding instead of a pair of socks and a bow tie that I'm never going to wear, I would be like, dude, you're the best. Like this is the right. best wedding ever. So, you know, if I was a, a – 
one of the wedding party. Like, I think that's a phenomenal mm-hmm. gift for them. Yeah, absolutely. So, so it's at Eddie's. What other liquor stores in the area are they at? Everything's on the website. Okay. So 13monkeys.com. Um, it's, I mean, there's on the rocks, there's canal side, there's, um, all the globals. Sure. Um, all three of the globals, uh, the one out, I just got one out in Niagara County. Well, canal side's Niagara County, but far, far North, there's another one. Um, I can't remember the name of some of them. Um, Bright's Corners, but they're, but it's all on the website. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a ton of them. It's in, it's in neat. It's in Gordy's. It's in, um, prohibition. It's in. East Eden Tavern, it's on 500 Pearl at the rooftop bar. Oh, nice. um, it's at, you know, and if bars, they want it, let me know. Uh, I'm my own distributor, um, so you don't have to wait. I know that there's some concerns with some bars that if they open new, they only get a select thing. Call me. I'll deliver it. And You know the guy. Yeah, I, it's it's me. I'm, <laughs> I'm the stock boy, the delivery, the bottler, the, the everything. Um, I have no problem with it. I retired. I'm looking to retire out of the military soon. Um, yeah, what's your time frame? They're saying probably the retirements. Uh, it's a process, not an event. So probably. I just thought you dropped that packet and showed that BDE. No, no, no. They're like no. <laughs> Damn. Why is it? A, is it because your rank? No, just the the army. I mean, they're legitly. That's what they say. This is a process, not an event. Like you're not just gonna drop your stuff and be like, yeah, you're retired. No. Like you gotta go through it. It's gotta go through all the chain and all this stuff, and you know whatever. It's like a demob to retire. Yeah, like <laughs> you know, after a while, I'm just like, and it, you know, it, it's time for me to retire because, like I said, there's a lot of things that I can't change. I can't fight the the machine, and you see people like in my day, you wore your field jacket. You had to have your gloves. You didn't have to have them on, but you better have your gloves. Now it's like you. This dude's wearing gloves. This dude's got a field jacket from like three uniforms ago. This one's got a brand new one with pockets I've never seen before. I don't know who to yell at anymore. It sucks. Mm-hmm. Like I can't be like shine your boots. It's just suede. Like there's just it's nonsense. There's just a lot of lack of discipline, lack of, you know, just pride, I guess, because it's, you know, our uniforms look like they're pajamas. Like you don't have to iron them. Like we used to starch our stuff. We used to have creases, which Going back to the army thing, leading to Chris, this is the the funniest thing was at the funeral, my aunt so my my mom had a sister, Michelle, so it was my mom Art and my my um aunt Michelle. Two sisters, my aunt Michelle was younger. She, my aunt Michelle used to babysit me when my mom would go to work or go out or whatever. And at the funeral, my aunt Michelle was talking to Marsha, Chris's mom, and like pretty, pretty involved and conversation not just like this or that and they're like hey come here they're like yeah when i used to babysit you i knew marcia and chris was one i was two they used to throw us in the same crib because they were friends so i knew chris pretty much my whole life which was just wow full circle like that was kind of weird so that's when you met chris yeah when i was one two like not in drill sergeant school so you know it's just kind of weird that's crazy so that's what this is for um and i hope everybody you know, like I said, I hope Buffalo latches onto it. Mm-hmm. I hope they, you know, they want to try it. They want to drink it. And, um, you know, if I can get, um, you know, Josh Allen to, to promote the bomb, you know, I'm just saying, throwing there it go. out there. Like, right. We'll know, tag him in the post. Yeah. Like, It'll go know, viral. So we'll see the what happens. bomb and you, you drink it and throw a bomb. And <laughs> To hey. be fair, there is one Bills player that literally just comments on every video we post yeah. or post in general that he just says, Bills Mafia. Yeah. That's all he says. Well, so now he can't say that start. unless he says it's trademarked. Yeah. 
True. That's true. <laughs> so, but if he wants to, hey, let me know. Anybody that wants go. to try this, I, I'm I'm up for a sponsor. Like, <laughs> knock yourself out. You want to <laughs> drink? Th- I'll give you a thirteen monkeys. I, I I'd reach out to Kid Rock, but you know, right? Yeah, he's got Jim Beam. Yeah, he might be a little busy. Well, thank you so much, man, for coming yeah, out. We no. really appreciate it. Thank you for telling your story, opening up, promote or making this amazing whiskey. So everybody, go to your liquor store, go online, 13monkeys.com, and see if you can find it in your area. And definitely pick up a, uh, what do you call this, a bottle still? Yeah, it's just a bottle. Sure. Go pick up a <laughs> bottle and uh, let us know what you think. So thank you very much. We oh, really appreciate it. Thank you, gentlemen. Glad you enjoyed it. Always. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.